You think that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, I pray this morning as this message goes forth, God, that it would become new to every single one of us. God, that you would show us things we haven't seen. You would speak things we haven't heard. We'd be different after we heard it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Judge not that you not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and and turn and tear you into pieces. Only God can judge me. Who's ever heard that term before? I, I had a great graphic that we put up here that was, I mean, if you're a gangster, you're getting a tattoo. This is what you're getting, you know? Only God can judge me. We've all heard somebody say that before. Uh, I don't know why, but people that don't even know Jesus or the Bible, for some reason, they know this scripture backwards and forward. And um, if, if you're anything like me, you've seen times in your life where you're talking to somebody and maybe something comes up in conversation and they'll say things like, hey man, you're, who are you to judge? Only God can judge me. Don't give me your judgment. And in this Sermon on the Mount, uh, we get Jesus showing his disciples where our heart should be, where our mind should be, and what our actions, what we should take with the scripture. And so my hope is that through walking through this, we can get a new understanding of what this scripture really means. Um, I had uh, I, I had dinner last night with the Levitts. I think they're here. Where, there they are, right over here. Ethan says to me, he says, so what 90s reference are we going to get tomorrow in the sermon? And uh, so some of y'all remember Tupac, you know, Tupac had a song, uh, only God can judge me. I wouldn't listen to it, but uh, it's kind of become a moniker of those people. There's your nineties reference. Um, It's the moniker of those people that really want to live however they want to live and not think that anybody can say uh, anything about the way that they live, but that's not really what the scripture means. So let's get into it. Uh, Judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And what Jesus is saying very simply in this scripture is the same way that you judge other people is the same way it's going to be judged back to you. So if you give people a lot of mercy, you're going to get a lot of mercy back. If you give people a lot of like anger and frustration, you're going to get a lot of anger and frustration back. There's a parable in Matthew chapter 18 that talks about uh, someone that was forgiven a lot of debts and then they go and turn and someone owes them something and then they beat that, that person. And then God says, you know what? That's not how you're supposed to treat people after you've been forgiven. And there's a, a, a key scripture that says, and then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave all you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And that really right there is the crux of what Jesus is trying to say is that we were all sinners. We all needed a savior. We were all steeped in our sin and God forgave us. And so we shouldn't go around and judging other people because we ourselves are going to be judged by God. Now, there's a meaning and distinction here that I want you to understand. When Jesus is speaking this scripture, he's speaking it towards an individual who's judging. And so that person should say, well, I shouldn't be a judging person. 
It's not speaking to an individual that's steeped in sin and is being called out on their sin that they can use that scripture to say to somebody else, only God can judge me. The direction of that sermon would be, to me, if I'm judging somebody else, Jesus would say, hold on, Matt, watch how you judge other people because I'm going to judge you in the same way. It's also used if, if, if I see somebody else that's judging another brother or sister, then I can say, hold on, brother or sister, don't judge them that way because you're going to be judged that way. It's not at all directed towards somebody who's steeped in unrepentant sin for them to use that scripture to deflect from not having to change the lifestyle that they're living Jesus said in Luke 6, 37, judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, then you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And, and this is the greatest misunderstanding of this scripture is that people will use this to defend sin instead of using it to test their hearts in regards of judging other people's sins. Calling somebody out on their sin is not judging them. It's not. I do it all the time. And, and I know that people would say, well, you know, you talk about sin a lot as a pastor. It's my job, man. That's what I'm supposed to do, exhort, rebuke with all long suffering. Um, it's my job to preach the whole counsel of God. It's my job to, uh, you know, as it says in Ezekiel, if I speak it not, the blood is on my hands. I've got to warn you. That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. But what judgment is, is judgment is going so far to say, okay, you've been caught in sin. God is not going to forgive you and you're going to hell and there's no hope for you. That's judgment. That only God can make that judgment. That's the only judgment. We can say, you know what, man? I wouldn't be beating that person in the face every single day. That's not judging somebody. It's not judging them and saying, you know what, man? I wouldn't steal from my work if I were you. Don't judge me. That's not it at all. What's saying is you got caught stealing at work. Now you're going to hell and God's never going to forgive you. That's judging somebody. It's not judging somebody to say, man, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Now, here's, here's the, the, the part of it you've got to understand. There's kind of two layers of this. Speaking in general about sin is acceptable, but passing uh, uh, judgment on somebody is not acceptable at, at all. Now, let me say this as well. This is not universal acceptance of, somebody li- of somebody's lifestyle yeah. at all. And, and, and again, the, the, I don't know why people that don't believe the Bible, don't believe in God, have about three scriptures that they can always do. It's like, don't judge, and another one about tithing, and then something else about you shutting your mouth, or something else, you know? But we, we as Christian people, there's nothing wrong with us saying, man, God doesn't approve of that. It's, it's not what God has for his people at all. We're called to unconditional love, we're not called to unconditional approval. We're supposed to love people, but we don't approve of things that are not of God. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I knew this man who was caught in a grievous sin. And what was it? It was grievous. It was really, really bad. And, and what happened was, is that he got caught and he immediately was actually thankful that he got caught because he was tired of living in this sin. And he was repentive and, and more remorseful. And, and I remember that uh, uh, many people began to be repulsed by this man because of the sin that he was in and everybody kind of scattered away. And I remember I, I ran towards him. I went and I met him in a parking lot. And as soon as he got out of the car, I saw the tears in his eyes and I embraced him. And I told him, I said, brother, God loves you and I forgive you. And, and, and I'm so glad that you're repenting. And, and, and I just want you to know that I love you and that God loves you. And he began to weep even more. And that, that's the response that you have to somebody that's repentant. 
Conversely, I knew another brother that got caught in sin uh, equally as grievous. And I was like, brother, we need to get together and talk about this. And we talked about it. And he said, God is approving of this. I know this is of God. Uh, he was living contrary to the scriptures and was doing something that was completely unscriptural. I said, brother, you need to, need to change your ways, man. This is danger, danger, danger. And he said, nope, I'm going to continue to do it. I said, brother, you're in danger of the pit fires of hell. And God is going to judge you based on what's going on in your life. And I'm warning you in Jesus' name. See the difference? See, see, the repentant need God's love. The, the unrepentant need to understand that they're under the wrath of God, that God does not, God never approves of sin. He makes no distinction. He never says, well, I'm going to make an exception in this case for you because you really feel like doing it. No, not at all. Conversely, it doesn't matter what sin you're caught in. God always forgives 100% of the time. He always, now it doesn't mean you might not suffer some of the repercussions of your sin, but it doesn't mean that God does not love you. And it does not mean that God does not forgive you at all. And so we take on the heart of God and we say, you know what? I'm going to forgive people and I'm going to love people. I'm not going to judge people. It doesn't mean that we're not going to look at a brother that's caught in sin and see them pa- uh, making a path on the way to hell and hand them the bricks and be like, well, I'm not supposed to judge. So here you go. Just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's not what that means at all. But the measure that I give is the measure that I want. If I get caught in sin and there's something wrong and I'm repentant, I want you to love me. I don't want you to beat me up. I want you to embrace me. I already feel bad about it. I'm already embarrassed about it. I don't need you to heap coals in my head. I've already repented. I already feel bad. I need your love and I need your grace. That's the measure that I want. But if I'm caught in sin and I refuse to repent, I refuse to bow the knees, I want you to rebuke me. I want you to tell me that I'm wrong. I want you to scare me out of my sin. I want you to do everything that it takes to keep me from going down this path of destruction. I remember back when I was in college and I remember my friend Chuck, I think he might be watching today. Chuck, I love you. I remember one time I was, when I was in college, I was caught in a bad way, doing bad things. And I remember uh, Chuck and Dirk were like, hey man, let's go hang out. I was like, yeah, dude, let's go hang out. Where are we going? We were going where I thought we were going. They took me somewhere with no doors and no windows and sat me down and said, listen, man, we've been watching you and you're going down the wrong path. And it ends tonight. Why are you being like this? Why are you doing this? We don't like that, Matt. We want the old Matt. Change right now. We ain't leaving this room till you change. I'll always remember that night because it was in love. They loved me enough to call me out and say, do you want, man, this is not the Matt that we know and love. We want the other Matt. Bring that guy back. We went and we found him. We went and found him. To pass judgment is a rash, harsh, unforgiving judgment. This judgment is holding people to a standard that we don't hold ourselves to. And in turn, becoming hypocrites. It's giving more grace for ourselves than other people. I mean, let's be honest, man. If any one of us are caught in something, we'd always be like, dude, grace. Can I have the grace? I don't want the pain. I want the grace. I want everything to go nice. And so if someone else is caught and someone else is doing wrong, our first response should be forgiveness. Our first response should be love. Our sure, sure response was, man, I could have ended up the same way as you. If it weren't for God, I could have ended up the same place as you. And I'm not going to judge you for it, man. I'm just going to love you right back into the fold. That's where I want you to be. See, judgment is only seeing other people as their faults. Judgment is judging people by their motives. Judgment is not putting ourselves in that same circumstance and asking, I wonder if I would have done the same thing if I was in that circumstance. Judgment is not remembering that we ourselves are going to be judged. 
The measure that you use will be used against you as well. And so I encourage you to give as much grace as possible. I pray that when I stand before God, I don't know what he's going to say. I hope he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And if he has some correction, some rebuke, maybe he'll say, do you want Matt? I wish you wouldn't have been so forgiving. I wish you wouldn't have been so loving. I, I was expecting for you to be a little bit meaner to those people. And I say, man, I was just, I wanted the same measure, Lord. I just, I tried to give as much grace as I could because I wanted a lot of grace. I tried to give as much love as I can because I want a lot of love. Romans 2, uh, chapter 1, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 echoes this. It says, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. Whoever you are, who, excuse me, whoever you are who judge, Whoever you are who judge, from whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same thing. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And that's really that distinction, the distinction of like not judging other people for what you yourself are doing. Isn't it interesting that somehow people always seem to find the fault in other people that's the biggest fault in themselves? Have you noticed this? People do this all the time. The person that shows up late for work is always like, you notice so-and-so was late to work today. The laziest person at work always wants to talk about other people's work ethic. Have you noticed this? It's like me and Crystal will go out and we'll talk to somebody. I come away. I'm like, man, that person just cannot shut up. All they do is talk. It's like they just talk to let their own selves be heard. Do they even realize that they do this? They always want to be the center of attention, being loud. <laughs> they let somebody else have some uh, spotlight every once in a while. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know who that's for, but. I think that's funny, do you? <laughs> James 4.12 says, who are you to judge another? Romans 14 says, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand at the judgment seat of Christ. That means that you are going to stand before God one day and answer for your life. And as you're standing there, you're going to see your brother and sister that you've judged in your life as you're walking up being like, man, remember all that grace I give you? I pray that God's going to give me that same grace. Remember how I forgave you? I pray God's going to give me that same forgiveness as well. Better not have judgment and contempt in your heart as you're walking towards the throne and say, you know what, man, you're going to get it. No way, man. Grace and mercy, grace and mercy at every turn. We're all going to stand before God. So we want to give grace to people, forgiveness. You just leave it in God's hand. And somebody say, well, man, you shouldn't treat that person that way. They, they don't deserve your grace. They don't deserve your forgiveness. They don't. And neither did you. You didn't deserve it either. There's nothing that you did to deserve God's grace and mercy. Yet in his loving kindness, he gave you grace and mercy, not because of anything that you had done. And you should internalize that. So when you look at somebody else, the meanest, nastiest, dirtiest person that doesn't deserve any of it, it should show you a picture of the gospel where you look at them, you're like, you know what, man, that's a picture of me. That's who I was. That's where I was steeped in my sin. I was dead in my transgressions. God picked me up and he washed me. He made me clean. He made me new. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give everybody grace and mercy. I'm going to pass no judgment. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'm going to let it be in his hands. But this by no means means that we can't call out a brother in sin. It's not what it means. 
And in Matthew also, Jesus talks about Matthew, eight, Matthew 18. He, he outlines the process of calling somebody out in their sin. This is an important part of being a Christian. It's called accountability. It's called a family. It's called a brotherhood. It's called a bride. It's called a church. It's called all those things. So Matthew 18 is very clear. If you think that one of your brothers and sisters is in sin, you go to them by yourself. You don't come talk to the pastor and be like, you know what, pastor? I don't want to say nothing, but I was at the bar on Friday night. And you know who was there? I was drinking a light beer, but they were taking shots. Some. I wasn't as drunk as they were, but they were drunk, drunk. I was just kind of like enjoying myself, but they were drunk, drunk. You need to talk to them, pastor. Aren't they one of your, haven't they been going to your church for a long time? Why didn't you talk to them? Have you talked to them about what, what you feel convicted about? Why has always got to go to the high level, man? Because here's the thing. Here's what happens. is that Not only have you ruined your witness because you're a tattletaling gossip, you've also ruined the witness that I have towards other people. I don't want to see people as their faults. I want to see people as, as in love, right? And you do everybody, yourself and them a favor by saying, you know what, man? I just, I want to talk to you about something that you and I need to talk about. I noticed something and, and you got to pray about it. You got to fast about it. You got to come to them with weeping. Don't come with some sense of self-righteousness of like, man, I want to tell you what's wrong with you. Take the time to go and drive and see him and take him out to a steak dinner and be like, you know, man, I need something. I need to talk to you about this because I love you. Now, if you're on the receiving end of that and if you're wrong, you know, you're wrong and you're wrong, wrong, right? All you need to do is just say, you know what, man, you're right. Thank you. Do you know how much courage it takes to go to somebody in love and be like, man, I think there's something in your life that needs to change. And they go to it with one person. And then you know what's so great? If that one person calls that one person and then there's love and care and forgiveness and mercy, then it just stays quiet. Oh, it's so great. Then nobody knows. You just forgive. I'm like, oh man, thank you. And I, Jesus, that's why James said, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Do it at the lowest level possible. They go to that person. All of a sudden they're like, man, you're, who do you think you are? And you got all these problems. You tell me about this, blah, 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 blah. You're like, listen, man, at the same time, you had a chance to talk to me about me, but now I'm talking about you, so you can't put it back on me. Make a different appointment. Buy me a different steak. We're talking about you today. (laughs) If they don't receive it, then you grab another brother, and then you come with them. You're like, listen, man, you didn't listen last time, so now I brought brother so-and-so with me, and now we both, in love, are giving you a chance. Change, repent, get away from this sin. That person's like, you ain't going to tell me what to do. Okay, here we go. Then you bring it to the pastor. Then we pray about it. And the next thing you know, somebody's standing up in front of the church. And I said, listen up, man. One person went to him and talked to him about it. Two people went and talked to him about it. They're living in unrepentant sin. They're choosing not to change their life. They're living contrary to the scriptures. And so now Jesus says, treat them as you would a tax collector, as a heathen, which means they don't get to be in fellowship with the saints. You say, man, that's kind of mean, is it? And I'm like, is it? They said they were saved. They said they want to live for Jesus. They're living in unrepentant sin. They're going down a path of destruction. Jesus makes it clear in Matthew 18 what we're supposed to do. We're actually doing this person a favor. Then they don't get the fellowship of the saints. It's spiritual fornication. Be living in unrepentant sin and think that you get the fellowship of the saints while you're living contrary to the scriptures. It's a tool that God has put within the scriptures to keep the unrepentant from being able to infect the rest of the body. It says to the body, it says, man, we're going to be holy and we're going to live according to God. And if we're not, then they're going to be outside. And the, the pathway in is repentance. We're like, oh, I don't want to be out there. Let me back into the bride. Let me back into the, into the ark. I don't want to be. Are you going to stop what you're doing and quit saying that God approves of it? Yes, yes, yes. I'll do it. I'll do it. Just let me back in. That's the process. That's how it is. That's not judging somebody. 
Paul said, you know what? It is my right to judge people inside of the church. It's not my job to judge the people outside of the church, but inside the church, that's how you keep God's church holy. And that scares some people. And if it it scares you, it should. It should mean like, man, I better hurry up and work on this before one person comes to talk to me. Yes? Yes. Amen. We can make judgments of character and fruit of a Christian life. We can. Philippians 3, 2, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. 1 John 4, 1, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about sexual immorality, and it says, you know what? Expel that brother. Kick him out. You guys are celebrating this sexual sin. Kick him out. Don't let him be in the church. When I come, I better not find him there. That's what Paul said. But we don't put somebody in hell. We don't pass judgment. We don't say, well, you're not forgiven. Anybody and everybody can be forgiven of anything. They just can. But we don't pass judgment. We say they're, they're going to be put in hell. Here, here's what Jesus says. And, and Jesus is the best preacher that ever lived. So <clears throat> he goes from do not judge to uh, judge not that you not be judged. And then right after in verse three, he gives an immediate application on how to apply this verse. So he says, do not judge, lest you be judged. Same measure you judge, be judged to other people. And then he says, why do you look at the piece of sawdust in your brother's eye when you've got a plank in your own eye? First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you can see the speck that is in your brother's eye. It's an immediate application. So he says, do not judge, lest you be judged. And the way that you apply that is, look at yourself in your own life, for the sin that exists in your own life and quit looking for the sin in everybody else's life. Because a plank, and if you think about a plank, if you don't know what that is, that's a big piece of wood. So it, it would be akin a, a if like I had a big old thing in my eye, right? And I'm just walking around with this thing in my eye and like, man, that dude got a big old plank in his eye. Does he even realize it? And then I'm like looking, I'm like, hey, uh, Pastor Jay, I've been watching you with this one good eye I got. And there's a piece of sawdust in your eye that I think you really need to work on because you're in danger of the pit fires of hell. And he'd be like, brother, do you see the plank in your eye? Well, we're not here to talk about my plank. We're here to talk about your speck because I don't want to talk about the plank that's in my eye. I want to talk about the speck that's in your eye because I, I, I think it's a better plan. And Jesus says, that's not the plan. The plan is focus on yourself. The plan is quit looking at what's wrong with other people and look at what's wrong with you. Romans 12, 3 says, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And Jesus is hilarious. I mean, you you can't think of a, a funnier scenario than somebody who has a big old piece of wood sticking around in their eye, walking around talking about, hey man, I'm here to find sawdust in everybody else's eye. And everybody in the room is like, bro, you got a plank in your eye. Do you not see it? Do you not see it? And, and, and honestly, a lot of times people do have planks in their eyes and, and, and we just kind of let it go. But you know, the point is, is not for us to go around looking for specs. It's about us for looking at the planks in our own eye. It's, it's the person that says, uh, you know what? I, 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 my marriage is in shambles and I have a porn problem. I'm a gossip. I'm a drunkard. I don't pay my bills, but I did notice that you didn't help put away the chairs last week at the fellowship. My life is steeped in sin, but I noticed that you parked in the parking lot. And you're not a visitor. I'm watching. 
you. I'm not calling some people out this morning. The plank's in your eye, pull it out. But, but, but really, that's what people do, right? Is that they, they forget about, like, he who has not parked in the parking lot cast the first stone, right? <laughs> well, I was late. I know that after 11.05, everybody's there, so we just show up late so we can park at the parking lot. I'm watching you. <laughs> I also found out in this church there is sin in the camp, and we found you out, and we shut you down. I've been turning on the air conditioner for years, and some of y'all been shutting the vents. <laughs> I don't know who it was, but we got new non-closable vents. You better buy a sweater. This thing's going to be an icebox come June. Watching you. I'm not putting away chairs at a fellowship might end you in the pit fires of hell. It might happen. But maybe an accuser would have done better to do a self-inventory first before finding fault in himself. Let's be honest, man. I mean, who wants to put away chairs? Like everybody's doing it and you're kind of like, oh no, I'm really involved in this. Let me pray for you real quick so I don't have to put away these chairs. Okay, chairs are away. You good? We're good. All right. Just saying. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Again, we're not saying that we can't help people that are in sin. Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Consider yourself. Be like, where are you at? Where's your walk at? Is there something in you that needs to change? When you go to this, brother, are you going with weeping? Are you going like, brother, I was caught in this and it almost cost me everything. And I just want, I love you and I want to bring you back. I'm not judging you. I'm not going to tell anybody. It's just between you and me. I love you enough. I'm just bringing you back. Are you walking in as a self-righteous plank eye talking about, I ain't got nothing wrong with me. Luke 18, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you. I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this tax collector. That's not what we're supposed to do. Like we should look at ourselves with sober judgment. We should look at ourselves and say, do you want, I've got to look at myself. I've got to do some self-reflection, the things that I have to work on. We don't want to be Psalm 36 too, for he flatters himself in his own eyes. I don't want to do that at all. And what's hard, I'll tell you, as a pastor that, that preaches the way that I preach, sometimes people think, well, he must think he's better than everybody else. I don't think I'm better than anybody else at all, man. I'm just responsible to preach the whole counsel of God. My wife and I are very honest with each other about our faults and things we need to work on. And we talk to each other and say, man, is there something that I need to change? Am I wrong in this? Is there something that I'm doing wrong inside of this? So let me give you some clear hypocritical things in the Bible that you can judge for yourself this morning about whether you got a plank in your eye or not, okay? Because that's really what Jesus says, right? If you're calling other people out and, and you've got a plank in your own eye, Jesus says, remove your plank first, and then you can see clearly to call out somebody else. Do you have this plank in your eye? You say that you love God, but you hate your brother. That's a plank, man. Something you need to remove from your eye. These all have scripture, 1 John four twenty. Thinking you are religious and not bridling your tongue, James 1, 6. You call yourself a Christian and then you beat people up with your, with your tongue, even with other people aren't around. Just because you, you and your one friend like to bang on somebody with your mouth doesn't make it right. Say you're religious and you can't control your mouth. That's a plank inside of your eye. 
Do you honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from him? That's a lie. Matthew 15, 7. Do you judge people who practice things that you do yourself? Do you, that's what it says in Romans 2, 3. Are you looking at somebody else that's steeped in the same sin that you're steeped in and then try to judge them because uh, you, you want everybody else to look at how nasty they are instead of looking how nasty you are? Do you have the appearance of godliness but deny its power? 2 Timothy 3, 5, not believing. Do you profess to know God but deny him by your works? Titus 1, 16. Everything we covered in Matthew 6, do you pray to be seen, give to be seen, fast to be seen? Is that a public faith without an internal faith? That's a plank in your eye. Do you use your freedom in Christ as a cover-up for evil? That's licentiousness. That's a plank in your eye. Do you have speech that is like butter, but you have war in your heart? Do you, do you work, work your conversations in such a way that you want to hurt other people? Do you call Jesus Lord and not do what he says? Luke 6, 46, Matthew 23, 25, do you clean up your outside, but not cleaning up the inside? It's a plank. It's a plank to claim fellowship, but walk in darkness. See, part of the reason I preach the way that I preach is that I, I, this church is almost 18 years old. Uh, I've been preaching for almost 30 years. And I'll tell you, man, the, the, the biggest lies that have ever been told to me have been people that have said they were Christians. I've seen it time and time again, man, years, like holding it all together, making it seem like things aren't the way that they are. And then all of a sudden, like this big, like, people are like, I never knew. They played a really good game with everybody. And so when I preach these types of things, it's like, I'm giving you this opportunity if you're one of those double people to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and be like, man, because here's the thing. God is a gentleman. He will deal with you privately over and over and over and over. He'll give you chance after chance after chance to deal with things privately because he, he, he doesn't enjoy making things go public. So you get a chance to deal with it privately. Hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit coming through on a sermon. And this is that moment where you're just like, oh my gosh, man, nobody knows and everything's fine. I'm going to square it away today. I'm never going back to it. I'm done with it. I'm not going to do it. That's a gift. I'm giving you a gift. Instead of saying, you know what, man, I'm just going to live this double life. And then maybe it'll come out. Maybe it won't. Someone calls you out and you're like, double down on, oh, no, I don't want that person to find out. They're just like, dude, be done with it. Repent. Be clean. Be forgiven. Because Jesus got nothing but forgiveness for everybody. It doesn't matter what you did or where you were at, where you were at. The heart of a hypocrite is a politician that tells you to do something that they don't do themselves. It's externally trying to convince someone that you're something that you're not. Start with yourself, friend. Start with the plank inside of your own eye. This society that we live in is built around looking for specks in other people's eyes. Go, go to any news, uh, news story or whatever, and it's always like this person that you thought was perfect did this. They got a speck in their eye. Get your pitchforks, get your torches. We're killing this person because of this speck. I'm not saying that bad people don't deserve to be punished. They do. What I'm saying is, is that people read those types of stories and look at these types of things. And then they turn around and try to make themselves feel better about themselves instead of realizing like, man, I might could have done that too. I'm going to give them some grace. Here, here's an interesting statistic. According to data from uh, SEM Rush traffic's uh, analytics tool, porn sites received more website traffic in 2020 In 2020, porn sites received more traffic than Twitter, 
Instagram, Netflix, Zoom, Pinterest, and LinkedIn combined. That's a huge number. 35%, by some estimations, 35% of all searches on the internet have to do with pornography. Somebody's looking at it. But people want to live in this, oh man, you know, and this is one of the reasons why people always bang it on Trump. Oh, you know, he's a self-centered pornographer, adulterer, and all this other stuff. I'm like, yeah, dude, so is America. Just one's in the White House. Most self-indulgent people that have ever existed on the face of this earth. But you look at him like, oh man, why can't he do this and that? Instead of looking at your own heart and being like, man, such goes me if I was a billionaire. Such goes me if I could live a life like that. They pass this judgment and say, man, well, they're so evil and I'm so very good. No, dude, it's a lie. Start with the plank in your own eye first. Here's a third part of it. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Verse six. Now this is, a, this is an interesting scripture. And if you've heard it before, it's kind of it's cryptic. It takes a little bit to understand it. It says, do not give what is holy to the dogs nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and in turn tear you to pieces. So Jesus says, you've got a pearl. Don't show it to the dogs and the pigs. If you show it to them, they're going to turn on you and then they're going to tear you to pieces. We should probably understand what these pearls are. Yes. I find it interesting that loving Jesus calls these people that aren't in the kingdom pigs and dogs. Good old loving Jesus. You know, that's probably the worst thing that you could call somebody during that day. They didn't have Petco back there, okay? This isn't like people that have dog worship. You know what's funny? Yeah, some hey, why are you saying that? People treat their dogs like they're kids. And then if you say something about a dog, like, how dare you? This is my baby. It's not your baby. It's a dog. Okay. I had a, I had a dog. I loved him. He was great. Perfect dog ever. But I, I like, come on, man. Jesus used this as a put down because back then dogs weren't like worship. They were just outside and they got the scraps and they barked at bad people. You don't know my baby. Somebody is not going to come back to church because I made fun of their dog. And then this one Sunday, he made fun of my dog. I haven't even got to your pet pig. All right. (laughs) This is a statement on discernment. And what Jesus is saying is that you are in, he's talking to his disciples. He's saying, you are in my kingdom and I'm giving you these pearls. Do not give them to people that are outside the kingdom because they could turn on you and then tear you to pieces. So be very, very careful what you're sharing with these people. It's a statement on discernment. He said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Watch me. Now, don't miss this. You have to be very careful who you think you can share the precious doctrines of our Lord with and who can understand who and what God is. The the precepts of the kingdom are precious to us. This is why if you read throughout the gospels, Jesus talks about uh, uh, things of the kingdom being hidden from people and talks about how he speaks in parables so that they wouldn't understand them. Jesus wanted to speak these truths to people that were inside of his kingdom to encourage them and disciple them. And he says to the disciples in this instance, do not share those with other people that are not in the kingdom 
because the dogs and the pigs, the swine are people that reject the kingdom and they're hostile to it. And they're going to turn on you and then tear you to pieces. If you share with them these precious, precious pearls, there are people that hate God. They hate his ways. They hate his doctrines. And so you have to be careful who you share these things with. Now, what are these pearls? Grace, mercy, love, forgiveness, and then people say, so what? We're not supposed to talk to people great about grace, love, and mercy. Within the context of this scripture, it's very, very clear that he says, if you share these pearls with dogs and pigs, they're going to tear you to pieces. Let me give an example. You've got somebody at work that you don't share the gospel with, but you're constantly talking to him about forgiveness. So then you're constantly talking about him and forgiveness, and then you accidentally do something wrong that you need forgiveness from, and then you say, well, you're supposed to forgive me. The Bible says it. And they're like, I'm not a Christian. I don't have to forgive you. Or they do something wrong to you, and then you say to them, you're supposed to forgive me. The Bible says they're going to tear you to pieces. They're going to say, you know what? No, I'm not a Christian. I'm not bound by your laws of forgiveness, grace, and mercy. Don't use that against me. And so when Jesus kind of puts it together, he says, do not judge lest ye be judged. He's talking about inside and outside the kingdom. And then he follows it up and says, you know what? Don't judge those people outside the kingdom. Don't judge those people. The world is going to world. They're going to do what they want to do. But if you start giving them the precepts of the kingdom, they're going to tear you to pieces. And, and so it's the people that use now and use the scripture. Say, Only God can judge me, right? They don't believe it. They don't, they don't read it. They don't believe in God, but they use that scripture against you to keep you from being able to share the gospel with them because you are spending too much time talking about the secret doctrines of, uh, of the Lord instead of teaching them what they need to be taught. This commentator Clark says, in this place, they are used to denote the doctrines of the gospel. Dogs signify people who spurn, oppose, and abuse that doctrine. People of special sourness and malignity of temper who meet it like growling and quarrelsome curs. That's why I love to read old people, man. People that are already dead that wrote a couple hundred years ago. And what Clark is saying is that if you appropriate gospel kingdom principles with the unregenerative person, they're going to use it against you and they're going to tear you apart. That's why Jesus says, do not cast your pearls uh, uh, with swine because then they're going to turn and tear you to pieces. Clark says, swine denote those who would trample the precepts underfoot. People of impurity of life, those who are corrupt, polluted, profane, obscene, and sensual, those who would not know the value of the gospel and who would tread it down as swine wood pearls. You have to forgive me. The Bible says that you have to forgive me. I don't believe it. I don't believe what it says, but they'll say to you, but you have to forgive me. I can do whatever I want to you and you have to forgive me. That's what your Bible says because you've cast these, spur these pearls before them and they're trampling over the grace of God. They're using it as a, as a reason for licentiousness. The meaning of this proverb then is do not offer your doctrine to those violent and abusive people who would growl and curse you and abuse you. In the context, Jesus says, don't judge, but judge a dog. Look at somebody who's a dog or a swine and say, do you know what? I'm not going to cast my pearls before them. I'm not going to give them the best of what God has shown me. I'm not going to share with them the precious things that God has given to his people See, see, not judging is about not condemning and not giving people grace. 
It's about not sidling up with evil and calling it Christian virtue. It's about sitting with a brother in sin and not celebrating the sin of a dog. It's about not looking at the speck in their eyes, but looking at the plank inside of your eyes. Because here's the problem. A person that thinks that they have no sin can't receive the gospel. They can't receive the gospel at all. And so what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to leave our cleansing to people inside of the church, right? First Corinthians 5, 12, for what do I have to do with judging those that are outside? Do not judge those that are inside. Like inside the church, this is why inside the church we can say that we don't allow this and we don't allow that. And these are the standards of, uh, of, of what a holy church is supposed to look. But whatever the world does outside of there, it's not my job to judge them. It's God's job to bring them to the gospel. It's not my job to do that. It's inside of the church, it's like my house. I can say whatever I want to do in my house, but I can't go to your house and bang on the door and say, this is how it's got to be in your house. But this is God's house. And so we can say what, what the standards are inside of God's house. Outside of God's house, we, we, don't, we don't need to worry about that. People need the gospel. They don't need your constant scorn. Jesus says, uh, you can't be so self-focused that you forget that there's people out there that need the gospel. There's grace for the believer, but there isn't grace for the non-believer. Do you understand that? As a believer in Jesus Christ, when you fall into sin, God gives you grace. But to the unrepentant sinner, there's no grace for them. There's no forgiveness for them. They're under the wrath of God. And so for us as Christians, when we're sharing and talking about our Savior, we don't share with them uh, anything past Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The only message they need to hear is that they, you are a sinner under the wrath of God and you need a Savior. And what happens is they try to pull you into these things. Well, how many animals were on the ark? You know, how did Jesus rise from the dead? And you know, how did He walk on water? And how did He do that, loaves and fishes? Listen up, man. Don't you worry about none of that. Why don't you worry about the fact that you're a sinner that's resting under the wrath of God and you need a savior? I mean, think about yourself, man. Before you got saved, you would open up the Bible and it was gobbledygook. You couldn't even understand it. And remember when you got saved and you cracked that thing open, you're like, oh my gosh, it says this? Because you've been regenerated and your mind is changed. But you talk to somebody who's a pig or a dog and you're trying to explain, well, you know, the thing is, we're the bride of Christ and Christ has come back for his bride and he's the bridegroom, we're the bride you're a bride? Yeah, we're the bride. And he's the bridegroom. He's coming back and we drink the juice and it's his blood and it's his, and we eat his flesh. It's what we do. His flesh and his blood. Yeah, we eat it. The flesh and the blood, we eat it. Why you cast your pearl? It sounds wicked if you don't know Jesus. What'd you do on Sunday? We ate his flesh and blood. Great Sunday. Do not cast your pearls before swine. Don't, because they're going to trample you underfoot and use that. I don't want to be part of your flesh-eating, blood-drinking outfit. That sounds horrible. All they can receive is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This means I'm not going to use Scripture to argue with the non-believer. They don't even believe it. What they do and how they live is an abomination to God. They need Him. I'm not going to teach kingdom principles to somebody that doesn't believe in the kingdom. I'm not going to cast my pearls before swine. Don't waste your time trying to disciple a pig or a dog. Just don't do it. Give those pearls to the sheep. 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Those of you that are saved this morning, what I'm saying, you're spiritually discerning it. 
You're saying, you know what, man, I know exactly what he's talking about. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you're probably thinking like, what is this guy talking about? I have no idea. Today's an opportunity for you to become a Christian. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you don't understand me today and you don't understand what this means, maybe you're not saved. And so today is your day. Today is the day for you to go from death to life, to be forgiven of your sins, to understand the precious gospel, to understand the precious doctrines. God is going to renew your mind. He's going to make you a new creation. He's going to make you all brand new, forgive you of all of your sins. And then you're going to be able to understand all the things that Jesus is trying to tell you. Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. I want to give you an opportunity to become one. It's really quite easy. You just have to, you, you just have to admit the fact that you are a sinner that needs a savior. You have to admit the fact that you cannot get to heaven on your own. And Jesus says, would you just receive this free gift? I want to forgive you. And all he asks is that you would walk away from your sin and then walk with Jesus. The Bible calls it repenting. It's really, it's not superstition. You don't say, I want to be a Christian, and then you go back to living your same life. You leave that life, and then you go and follow Jesus. You say, I'm going to live how he wants me to live. I'm going to believe what he wants me to believe. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. And if you've never made that decision before, and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, today I want to be a Christian. I want to give him my life. I want to live for him. I want to be forgiven of my sins. If you've never made that decision before, and you'd like to do it today for the first time, would you raise your hand and say, that's me? want to become a Christian? Is there anybody that needs to do that today for the first time? Now, maybe you've been far from God. Maybe you forgot the gospel. You've been steeped in sin. And I'm not talking about like, hey, I had a bad week. You've been gone, man. You've been gone for a long time. And you feel like, man, God could never forgive me. He could never welcome me back. He loved you when you were his enemy. How much more so now that he calls you son and daughter? You've been far from God and you need to come back. You want to rededicate your life. You really, you really want to. You say, man, I'm done with that old life. I'm ready to come back to Jesus. If you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand today? We'd like to pray for you as well. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. Now, if you'd like, we always invite you. If you'd like to come up, someone would like to pray with you. If you'd like to, just be a marker in your life. A time where remember what God did. Let's leave today having a heart to not judge people. Not looking for the problems in everybody else. Looking at the planks in our own eyes, not the specks in other people's eyes. Let's make sure that we're paying attention to the pearls that we're sharing out with the world. That we're remembering to share Jesus Christ and Him crucified, not casting our pearls before swine. Father, we thank you for this word. Lord. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our own lives. Father, we pray that we would glorify you in what we say and what we do. God, help us to love people, not constantly judging people. Help us to see the planks in our own eyes. Help us to not cast our pearls before swine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.